Welcome to Emergence Radio Talk, where you'll be inspired and motivated by the journeys of movers and shakers from all around the world and those who are occupying and taking dominion. Emergence Radio Talk with Dr. Tavara Johnson. Welcome, everyone, to Emergence Radio Talk with your host, none other than Dr. Tavara Johnson. And you know me, I'm always excited for today's show. Today, I have a man of God who is walking in his God-given purpose, and I'm telling you, he's making an impact in both marketplace and ministry. And I really can't wait for us to get into this conversation today. We will be talking about all things leadership and the personal skills as well as how do you handle some of those, um, the different changes or the different dynamics within your teams. So I want to welcome Tasman Sutherland to the show, and indeed, it's a pleasure to have you here with me this evening. Hey, Doc. I am extremely excited for the invite and the opportunity to share on your platform, so I say thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule um, just to come and inspire as well as motivate our listening audience tonight. But, you know, this is your second time on the show, and so... For those who may not know a bit of who Tasman Sutherland is, I want you to go ahead and let our listening audience know a little bit about who Tasman Sutherland is and what are some of the things that you do. Thank you, uh, Doc. So I am a I'm the lead pastor of Agape House Canada uh, here in the city of Mountain, New Brunswick. I serve alongside my wife who uh, shares in pastoral duties with me, Pastor Seattle Sutherland. Uh, and then also I have the opportunity, the awesome opportunity to be a serial entrepreneur. Uh, and I have a marketing company as well as a coaching uh, company. And and then we also do, or one of the things that uh, I think is one of my greatest delights is at being a business educator and being able to consult uh, companies on various dynamics from branding to leadership uh, to uh, what we call um, ideation consultation, which is simply finding creative ways to lead in the marketplace. So uh, in a nutshell, that is TAS. Well, you said a whole lot. You're saying that that is TAS. As in, like, that's not a lot. That's a whole lot of things that you do. <laughs> and, um, you know, also, you know, you, you mentioned about being a serial entrepreneur. Um, now, I know we have a lot of people who are serial entrepreneurs. And one of the things I want to know from you as a serial entrepreneur, how do you stay relevant as a serial entrepreneur as well as, you know, what are some of the things that you do just to make sure that your clients are, you know, still, you know, that you still serve them with professionalism as well as excellence? Because if you're a serial entrepreneur, chances are you have a whole lot of things that you do. And so what are what are some of the things that you do to make sure that you, you know, stay on top of everything that you have going on so that you're able to effectively um, serve your clients? You know, uh, one of the things that I always encourage clients, and this is uh, clients that range from ministry to small businesses as well as leaders within larger organizations or larger structured organizations, and it is simply 
the art of remaining relevant is, or the catalyst rather, for the art of remaining relevant is being intentional in your growth. Uh, and I'll give you a good example. I was sharing with uh, uh, several florists uh, several years ago that for a bride that's looking for a Caribbean destination wedding, um, you know, they're perhaps looking for a wedding planner and someone who's going to do the media as well as someone who's going to decorate. And then, of course, there are the florists. And for those, this was, of course, this was uh, pre-pandemic, and a lot of businesses were uh, still within the brick-and-mortar structure. As a matter of fact, brick-and-mortar was leading a lot of the businesses uh, internationally. And I was sharing with, with several florists that, you know, one of the key, key things to growing your business and remaining relevant is diving into the digital marketplace. And, of course, many of them were experts in uh, putting bouquets together, but they were shy with the element of growing or venturing into that digital platform. Well, of course, uh, if a bride from Europe is looking for a Caribbean destination wedding, what's one of the first things they do? They go online and they're going to search florists in the Bahamas or florists in Jamaica. And, of course, if you are not online, if you're not in that digital space, then your chances of getting any of that business becomes almost obsolete. And so, and so for the person that's perhaps doing ministry or the, perhaps the person that's wanting to grow their blog or grow or even publish their book, uh, how am I intentional about growing? And here's one of the things, Doc, uh, growth, unlike, unlike in our natural habitat of being humans, that when you are a toddler, you are perhaps less than two feet, and as you grow, you grow uh, four feet. And then at some point uh, in adulthood, our growth in terms of height ceases. Um, well, it's, it's, it's very different in terms of your growth as an entrepreneur, as a minister, as a leader, or in any of the dynamics. We, when you stop growing is the beginning of your becoming irrelevant because life goes on and life continually evolves and it requires for us uh, to be intentional in our growth. Mm. That's really good. Um, you know, when you talk about growth and, you know, our our mentors, John Maxwell, say it doesn't just happen. Like, you have to be intentional about it. And, you know, I think you mentioned something very good when you talk about, you know, if you if you stop growing, then you no longer become relevant. And I think um, based on some of the things that I've seen, most people like to rely on the same old, same old or the same practices, you know, not even trying to update or upgrade themselves. Um, and then they wonder why they're not relevant. But, you know, because at the end of the day, we have to be, you have to move at a high speed almost like in terms of to stay relevant. So it does require the, um, you know, being intentional. And so my question to you then is, you know, how do you, for leaders who are in organizations who, uh, you know, feel as though, hey, I'm at the top, I no longer have to grow, 
what are some advice that you would give to them? You know, because when you talk about leadership, especially in organizations, like you, you, you're leading people, you know, and chances are the persons who are underneath you, they too want to grow. So what are some, what are some advice that you have for someone who has that mentality as a leader, you know, that, Hey, I'm a sweater, they're a CEO, a manager, a supervisor, a CFO, or whatever, as long as they're leading people, they're responsible for people. What advice would you give to them, you know, to make sure that, um, cause for them now, if they don't, if they decide to keep that mentality, well, I'm, I'm thinking the organization itself won't progress. And so what advice do you have for them? So, um, uh, I had I had a mentor who would quote often that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. A man mm-hmm. convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And mm-hmm. I have I have conversed with uh, leaders um, in various organizations in various industries that have possessed that mindset. And for many of them, even in your, even in the consultation, whether it was, you know, light conversations or paid consultation, um, I found that unless they are open to the idea that growth is necessary, um, then the only, the only thing that can teach them is going to be time which is unfortunate because the lesson that they will leave with typically tends to be uh, that they are removed from an organization or they are the catalyst for the death of the of an organization. I was conversing with someone who noted uh, a senior pastor had, had uh, comically or facetiously whipped um, that he is like a captain that will go down in a sinking ship. And, of course, this is someone who has been leading within that ministry for more than uh, or near four decades. Um, And for him, his retirement is going to be in the death of, of life is when he's going to relinquish the pulpit. The challenge is uh, leaders with that mindset – become like cancerous uh, uh, tumors within the organization. And unless they are removed, sadly, uh, then there's, there's absolutely no growth. Here is the sad reality, um, but the also, the, here's what is also true. Um, for someone who believes that they are at the top uh, and perhaps the ceiling for their growth becomes minimal or minute, um, is perhaps someone who doesn't recognize that leadership is not linear, that your leadership growth, and this is relative to your relationship with people, your uh, span in the direction you take an organization, as well as the intrapersonal skill of uh, becoming better each day, that it is not a linear process. Uh, that that though there is a start, uh, the evolution of it is not suggested that there is an end date. And and so what I mean by that is, for uh, the person that's leading, and perhaps they have done excellent over the past few years or months or whatever time frame, uh, that 
the where they are should not be viewed as the destination for uh, the best that they can do. Uh, the other thing is, uh, um, I almost called you apostle. The other thing, Doc, <laughs> is that uh, in in doing so, then we sometimes begin to forget that life is measured in seasons, which and so is mm-hmm. our leadership. And so relative to uh, the growth for both the organization, those we lead, as well as uh, our experiences, there are times when your leadership goes from how effective and how far forward we can take the organization to the season of how can I now equip those who will perhaps take it farther than I can. And if you recognize Mm -hmm. and understand uh, that in terms of seasons, then you realize that your your leadership has transitioned or your leadership efforts transitions from your being uh, on the front line waging the battle of growth to your being in the war room leading in growth. And I'll share just this story to wrap that point up. Uh, There was a time I remember when I was in youth ministry um, several years ago, and as a youth leader, minister, I was a minister, the youth minister at the time. Um, we had grown our youth leader, our youth ministry from uh, less than um, about twenty kids to nights where we had over two hundred kids, and we averaged, uh, you know, almost two hundred kids each Friday. And there came a time when, you know, in our doing everything and ministering and leading, my mentor said to me, uh, now is the time for you to go from being minister tasks where you are effectively organizing and, and putting together calendars for 200 kids to making your leaders your congregation and pouring into them. And here's something that was unbeknownst to me, that the time would come when I would no longer be present within that, that ministry leading. But, but the awesome truth was taking my, my mentor's advice when it came time for me to, to move from being minister tasked to leading a congregation in a completely different country. Uh, there, was no, there was no break. There was no hiccup. The transition to, to move out became seamless because there were leaders that were uh, in place that I began to pour into and give them both the space and the grace uh, to become a, a replacement for Tasman. And so recognizing the season of, of ministering to many, to multiplying myself in a few, became the catalyst that made my doing the work relevant. Wow, that's really good. Um, you know, I love that you talked about the leadership having having seasons. You know that there are seasons in leadership because I think if more leaders view it that way, especially those who um, don't take a good liking to having to train other persons because they feel as though you know that the persons are going to take their spot or they're going to take over or they're going to probably go further than them. Um, I think that they would you know, be more inclined to change their perspective on it because I really love that you said that 
leadership is like is measured in, in seasons. And then you pretty much shared how for you you're out of you are out of space whereas you you know, you talk about multiplying yourself and when you talk about leadership, that's what leaders do. You know, leaders are supposed to reproduce other leaders because there comes a time, like you mentioned, you're not there. There will come a time when you won't be there. And, you know, you, you don't want them to fall on their face or to have to be, you know, trying to constantly lean on you even though you're not there. You know, I believe that any leader who reproduces themselves, it allows them to now grow to other levels. And I mentioned, I think, you know, sometimes some leaders, not all, uh, they don't look at it um, that way, you know. And so, you know, you mentioning all of those things and then, I think a lot of it, it goes into like some of the interpersonal skills. And so what are some ways that you feel that some leaders can in, can increase their interpersonal skills? Because as we know, with leadership, you have to also have, I mean, leadership is influence, but you also have to have sometimes some relationships with people, you know, in order to be able to influence them. And so what are some of the things that some leaders can do who may be struggling with being able to even influence their team or influence their direct support, what are some of the things that they can do to um, increase their interpersonal skills, which I believe will help to aid them in just increasing their influence on the whole other leader? What a beautiful question. Um, and, you know, uh, Doc, I keep wanting to call you Apostle. Please forgive me. <laughs> well, maybe that's get her on. <laughs> So, uh, you know, one of the, I think the thing that is significant is understanding, um, you know, when we say interpersonal skills, what is it that we're talking about, right? And, of course, we're talking about uh, the skill set of being able to uh, effectively connect and communicate with others. And so, uh, for someone that's leading, um, you know, uh, there's a, a famous Chinese proverb that says, even though I, 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 I lean into it halfway, believing that, that it is a half-truth, but there's a famous proverb, Chinese proverb that says, uh, those that are leading without followers are simply taking a walk. And to be able to effectively do that, um, being able to lead others requires the the social skill set of um, being able to competently uh, connect with others. So, uh, how do you how do you do so, and 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 what is necessary? Well, you know, one of the things that can be summed up in one word, is simply connecting. And I think this pandemic has has uh, almost like the light. If, 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 anyone has, if anyone has ever seen or has been within a surgical operating theater, that there's a light that they would pull down towards the table, and it's shining light on uh, the subject that is, on the table, whether it is something that's going to be done uh, laparoscopically uh, on a finger or a heart transplant, that's what that light does. It shines light so that those that are le- those that are leading in the surgery have a better pers- 
perspective and and what it is that they're doing. And this is what connecting is, um, that being able to to do so um, and lead with emotional intelligence, um, finding out that uh, whatever work that has to be done, whatever requirement is made, that it is more than simply the accomplishment of a task. Because here's the reality. Uh, people are people. And uh, people are people that, you know, for for a mom who is trying to put put funds together for her child's college tuition, she is she is still required to do whatever is at work, but she is human. The theme is, uh, you know, the the person that is is leading, um, that they may may have an uh, awful morning. The tire was flat. Uh, the barista did not get their coffee order right, and then they got stuck in traffic, and then someone rear-ended them, and everything is happening, and they are human. And in that, in our human experiences of connecting and leading with people, one of the things that is significant is to do so with empathy, to do so uh, given both your team as well as yourself the grace uh, to be able to to uh, say, okay, well, whatever is required of us and whatever is happening that, you know, even though there's a task to be accomplished, um, beyond the task, share with me or, or let me know, you know, how, how, how are things? Uh, where are we? And I remember um, there's a quote that is attributed to uh, Theodore Roosevelt that says that uh, people, people don't care how much you know until mm-hmm. they know how much you care. And this, Doc, is true on any level. This is true for the manager that is leading a department store. This is true for a pastor that is leading a congregation. This is also true for volunteers that are uh, have committed their time at the YMCA, that people don't care how much you know until it has been revealed how much you care. And this revelation is given when we connect with people, not simply mm-hmm. share an idea, not simply uh, uh, um, share what the goal is or, or cast a vision, uh, but simply connect with me on a human level that I know yeah. that perhaps I'm a part of the team or that what we're doing, that everyone wins. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. Um, you talked about being a part of the team because, you know, when persons have that feeling of being a part of something, I believe then they take ownership, you know, of whatever it is that they're supposed to do you know, to really bring whatever goal or project it is to pass. And so I believe if leaders help to make persons feel, of course, you know, like you mentioned, using empathy to make persons feel so that, you know, they are a part of, then sometimes I think it would even help for some people to even take more initiative even on the job. Because I know sometimes some managers say, well, you know, some employees don't take any initiative. Well, if you treat them as robots or just as a employee number, 
chances are that, you know, they, they're going to take on that mindset of, okay, well, I'm just coming to work, for example, just to get a pay, you know, just get a paycheck and that's it. Um, and you find that sometimes so many people can be, your employees can be checked out on the job, they're physically present, but then, you know, they have, they've already checked out. And sometimes it's due to, um, you know, the lack of empathy and everything else. So I think that is really, um, really, really good that you share. And I think, this, you know, this is really a great conversation um, that we're definitely having. But um, one of the things I want you, I want to ask you, and this is the kind of like spin off of even the empathy part of it. Um, but this is now, we're now talking to the employee. So what are some of the things that, or at least what advice would you give to an employee? You know, they feel like, listen, I've been working hard. I've been putting in my hours. I've been taking initiative. I've been staying back. I've been doing all of these things, but yet I still feel, you know, taken advantage of or for granted. You know, they wonder where their reward is or respect in the workplace. Um, what, how would you, and you know, further encourage or even motivate that individual to, you know, just to say number one, even stay on the job, you know, um, or, or number two, to show up. So uh, there's two things. One, I want to I want to uh, expand on on something you shared before answering this question, um, and it is that. Well, first, let me say this: that both both the leader and those that are being led have a responsibility. Uh, those that are being mentored as well as those that are mentoring have respective responsibilities. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to share, though, relative to those that are leading, um, is this, that I was having a conversation with uh, someone, a pastor in the airport uh, several years ago, and he was sharing with me, he had on uh, a a championship ring, and it got my attention, and I simply leaned in and asked him, oh, uh, are you a former uh, basketball player? And he shared with me. He said, no, I'm actually the chaplain. And he shared to me in the year that uh, the team which he uh, was a chaplain of and he was serving as, as a chaplain had won that he also had gotten a championship ring. Now, here is someone who has never made it on the court and held the ball, uh, has never defended in the game, has never uh, scored or rebounded. As a matter of fact, his role, unbeknownst to anyone who watched sports, uh, was simply in the locker room and he either encouraged or prayed for the team, counseled some of the members, and was never seen by anyone that watched the sport. But as a part of the team, as the chaplain, he got a championship ring. And the point that I want to share is for those that are leading is everyone that is a part of your team Whenever they feel as though the team is winning, but I am not winning, they clock out. 
and I'll share with you this story. I remember several years ago I was uh, employed and uh, I would go in early sometimes. I would stay late many days. Uh, I even being, uh, uh, I guess, in, in my skill set, being able to uh, work multiple areas within the organization um, became what I would consider to be valuable uh, within the organization. And I remember at one point we were submitting our times for vacation. And in doing so, I had requested an additional week because I was traveling as a as a speaker and and in the performing arts and whatnot. And so, uh, uh, I just needed like time off, unpaid time off, even if that were the case. And I remember being asked if I think I had deserved um, the time off, and. Even though I was insulted, you know, it really wasn't that much um, because if I took a week off and did not get paid um, as a as a itinerant speaker and traveling, you know, uh, being able to get that back was very very was almost anticipated. And I remember when I inquired, I submitted all of the the terms or or what it will ask of me. And I hadn't gotten a response. And when I inquired perhaps about a week or two weeks later for the vacation time as well as the additional time off, it was a very nonchalant, cold response. You did not get the time off. And when I asked, is there any reason why, or um, they told me no. No, there's no reason. I just didn't get the time off. Uh, Dr. Johnson, that was in January that I had submitted for the time off. Uh, my vacation, which was approved for September, I remember standing in in that uh, office and saying to myself, I'm not coming back after vacation. And for the next nine months, I strategized my exit and uh, when it was time for me to take vacation, I on my on my uh, last day of work, uh, before my vacation began, I simply said to them that this is my two weeks vacation. I'm out of here. Uh, and 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 here's the sad reality: there were relationships that were built. There were uh, awesome moments of um, and lessons that were learned, but feeling as though even when the organization was winning, I was winning, became something that I no longer felt. I didn't feel as though my time, my time uh, working extra hours and, and uh, you know, being able to give of myself, you know, um, more than, than what was required was being reciprocated in terms of making me feel as though I'm valued. And now, today, uh, there's something that's called quiet quitting that has become a popular term, but so many people within the, within organizations are no longer working extra hours. When it's time to leave, it's time to leave. Mm -hmm. They're not coming in on their days off. They're not giving anything extra. Mm -hmm. And it's simple because the organization is winning and I am not. For 
the person that's that's being mentored, the person that's a part of the team, you know, I'll be completely honest in saying because I would be I would be irresponsible to suggest one of anything, and that is for some people, uh, the person that's being led. I think there's a dual responsibility of connecting with those that are leading. Uh, the responsibility simply is because uh, those that are leading perhaps um, are um, managing or juggling multiple tasks. And in their doing so, sometimes you're, you're attempting to wedge your foot in the sand, and in doing so, it, it's possible to neglect one area, Right. And so sometimes not acknowledging someone uh, who was a key player in the success of, of a project or was not, it's not intentional, uh, but we we do so. Or not pouring into or equipping team members uh, is overlooked and is not intentional, but we do so. And so I think, I think for those that are being led or those that are staff um, or even middle management has, have a responsibility to be able to also connect upward as we are anticipating that those that are that are leading to connect downward and that that often eliminates the air of of assumption which oftentimes becomes the reason of discord. I assume that this person intentionally neglected me, or I assume that this person uh, has a poor attitude. I assume, uh, and and so you share in that in that burden of connecting. Uh, what is also true, though, Doc, is in the in the experience evaluating where you are within within the season of your life and within the season of that team or organization, because. There are sometimes, um, as the author would have noted in his book, the call for necessary endings, uh, that even though I assisted this team for the past decade and I assisted uh, this team in uh, all of the uh, various things that we've done, that uh, sometimes it's just necessary that I'm at a season where I have done all I can, and to grow or to move forward or to advance requires me to move. And in yeah. in both opportunities, in both responsibilities, in both uh, burdens, connecting with your leader and and discovering whether it's necessary to end becomes significant. And even when it is necessary to end your being there. Uh, connecting in a way that leaves leaves room because I'll tell you I'll, t- I'll share with you a story before I, I conclude on this point is I, there have been times that I've left organizations or I've left uh, responsibilities and when I went back I did not go back as a staff member I went back as a consultant when I go- went back I did not go back uh, being within the organization or serving within the organization, whether it was volunteer or in a church or was not, but I went back to share my gift in a in a in a way that was respected differently than it was when I was a part of the team. And so again, we share in the responsibility of connecting and sometimes we leave organizations 
feeling slighted or offended and without responsibly connecting in a way that that doesn't burn bridges, uh, we shut the door of any possibility of going back. And even when we have qualified ourselves now to lead that organizational team, the possibility of going back has been uh, so poorly severed that there's no room to do so. And the name of the book is Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. Mm. That's really good, Um, the connecting up and down you know, and saying that everyone has a responsibility, which I definitely do agree, um, in terms of sharing the responsibility of the connection um, that has provided, again, that empathy and everything else is being um, shown. You know, the interpersonal skills are there, or the emotional intelligence are there um, in order to do that. Because, you know, sometimes there are times when, um, you know, the, the separation is not is not always a good one. You know, and so it's kind of difficult to, uh, for some, you know, possibly go back and less, you know, certain key players possibly in the organization's change, you know, um, if that's going to even be considered by some some individuals. But um, I think that is really good in terms of, you know, like you, you, like you, you said a whole lot, but especially even with the connecting up and down. Um, there is something else that they also call like managing up and down and, and you know, from an employee standpoint, uh, managing your boss. You know, that's some of the difficulties that some people have as well. Um, but that's a different topic. But one of the things I want to I wanna find out from you is, you know, so a lot of times now we're working on teams, whether they are remote teams, of course, because, you know, due to the pandemic, there are a lot of virtual teams as well. Um, but one of the things I I want to know from you as it relates to 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 teams, what are some of the um, some of the pitfalls, you know, that leaders can or they should avoid as it relates to, you know, to make sure that they have a cohesive team, you know, especially dynamics, because that's important. You know, when you're talking about a team and managing different personalities that probably go from A to point Z, what's some advice that you have for them as it relates to avoiding some of those pitfalls? Yes. So uh, I shared with you the the vital uh, element of connecting with those you lead and how important that is. and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the things that I have seen to be the downfall of of many organizations. And this is these are organizations that um, expand from um, industry and marketplace to even ministries, and that is um, not communicating or connecting with people what the expectation and the culture is of that organization. And so specifically, I've seen leaders allow key players um, to have free reign within organizations. Uh, In a sales and marketing team, the top earner has free reign to come in late or say, speak freely within staff meetings or uh, to do things that perhaps other members of the staff, the team, the organization uh, will never get away with. And 
and it becomes a cancer to the culture within that organization. And I'll tell you, even even as it is with parenting, parenting, that if you permit those small habits to begin to snowball, the time is going to come where, as the leader, you will you perhaps will lose uh, the ability to to lead and manage those individuals or that culture that becomes a detriment, and 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 what happens. Uh, you may have other key players that are within the team, within the organization, that will leave simply because the key player um, uh, has adopted a poor attitude or habits. And I'll, if I could use as an example, uh, um, several years ago, the Golden State Warriors, having lost in the championship to LeBron uh, James, they brought Kevin Durant in the team. And uh, within the first two years of him being on the team, they won two championships. But one of the things that happened was uh, there's a team member that is on the Golden State Warriors that uh, got into it um, with Kevin Durant, and he blurted, we don't need you here. And so mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Durant decided to pack his bag, take his talent to Brooklyn uh, at, with the Nets and the the Golden State Warriors did not win the championship the following year. Fast forward uh, just this year, 2022, this exact same player got into a punching match with one of their uh star players on the Golden State Warriors. And this is an example of what happened, that not only did they lose a key player that could have possibly kept them within the ranks of losing, and mind you, they did win uh, the championship, but but even in their winning, what now has been on display is that this player is a rebel amongst others, Right? And this is what happens within churches when when leaders, when pastors uh, are leading people, and uh, you know someone they're leading is a renegade. For the team, one of the one of the the key elements is having a culture where I can communicate what's happening without being. Uh, victimized or condemned because of it, as well as, and this is from the 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 those that are lying, those that are staff, those that are volunteers, those who perhaps don't have a title, but they are uh, effective in in uh, leading in their own right or in their own area of giftedness within the organization. And why that is true is because, like John Maxwell says, uh, very few leaders are successful unless those that are around them desire for them to be successful. And uh, if you're talking about a team, no one individual has ever won a championship. You look at Tom Brady. If Tom Brady was on the field throwing uh, the ball, catching the ball, all of the rings that he's won, Super Bowls that he's won, would never be 
recorded within the annals of history. The same is for Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry. It requires teamwork. And so even those who perhaps don't have the titles of leadership ought to ought to have the capacity to connect and speak so that the organization stays in a posture of winning. And I tell you this, as I wrap up on this point, Doc, is this, that whenever team players um, feel as though my contribution adds value to winning, they will begin to own the organization. And so there have been times when uh, leading volunteers myself leading volunteers, you know, the conversation or their speech went from, well, uh, Taz, I think this is something that you should do, or I think this is something that uh, the team or the organization would probably be to being if we go this route or if we go this direction, the you transforming into the we shows or demonstrates ownership but the but the culture of of allowing them the capacity to be able to connect and communicate what's happening and things that are uh adding value as well as things that are hurting the direction of the team um is what kept us in a winning position and I'll tell you this also that even when it did not feel like we were winning uh they did not leave the organization, but they they began to contribute to how do we get back there? Why? Because they began to own being a part of the team, and that is simply because we created the culture or the environment. Uh, me as the leader, uh, others that that led alongside of me, and then those that served within those teams of of leaders uh, to be able to to speak and connect freely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important, you know. Um, in terms of you, you said that they or that the you know the individuals that they contribute to the success, and you know that's what ownership does. But if you lead a team, and this is for anyone who's listening, and if you lead a team as an I, I mean it's really not going to work. At the end of the day, you know we need people are needed to collaborate to get the job done, especially when you yes. talk about and being in the workplace because no one person could do everything at the end of the day. Even if you have leaders, there are still some things that they can do that their direct reports do. Um, and then, of course, there are some who know how to do it, but then, you know, of course, that's something that they delegate. But, I, I mean, a lot of times now we have a lot of people who can do, who cannot do some of the things that, they, that their direct reports do. And so, you know, I think it's important to really, you know, make the person feel like you said before, make, allow them to feel a part of the team, make them feel a part of the team, let them see the empathy because it really causes them to take ownership to, like you say, okay, well, now let's, let me, let's contribute to the success, you know, of the team, even though they're not winning because a lot of people tend to jump ship when, you know, when the ship, when they feel like the ship is sinking and, and no one is winning. But when you have persons who can stay and contribute to the success, or, or more or less, how do we get out of this? You know, this sinking ship. More or less, how do we how do we bring the the ship above water? So that that speaks volumes to um, someone's leadership style or their leadership. And then you also mentioned about you know having the the star player kind of do their own thing. And unfortunately, sometimes a lot of organizations they do this. Um, they allow 
persons who may be, you know, their star players, or who they consider to be star players or top performers, say what they want to say, and then it causes an issue. But I read this book. I can't remember the name of the book. Um, it, it talked about even though someone may be considered to, or you may consider them to be a top performer or a high achiever because of their talent, their poor um, interpersonal skills more or less make them bad employees. And I, when I read it, I was like, hmm, this is true, because they become bad in the sense of that they're now infecting the rest of the organization with their negativity and causing, you know, like high turnover rate and all these other things. That, and so I think that is really um, important. Like all of the things that you've been sharing, we've really been having a great conversation um, you know, during this whole time. I just have, you know, one final question that I want to I wanna ask you. Um, you know, what final advice would you just give to, you know, based on anything that you probably um, would have said or you felt was like, okay, maybe, hmm, there's something else I want to say. What final advice would you give to, you know, the leaders on just their ability to be able to push forward, to keep going, to remain, you know, relevant, to continue to be a student of their craft and just to continue to lead well? Sure. So, uh, one of the one of the things that I think is significant uh, for leaders, aspiring leaders, emerging leaders, um, is to remember that you know, as you are leading, as you are sharing your gift to the world, that it's about others. Your your, if you're an entrepreneur, you're selling a craft or service. It's about others. If you're in ministry, you're uh, teaching the the Bible or praying for others, um, counseling others. It's about others. If you are leading and you are in a, an emerging leader, or if you are near the end of your season in leadership that it's about others. And in the same breath of of knowing and considering that my gift is to serve others, I think that's what keeps our feet on the ground as we thread through leadership and it remind and is and we are reminded if I was leading myself, if I was serving my gift to me, how would I wish to be a recipient of it. If I were if I were leading uh, a team, um, would I want my leader to be simply uh, someone that delegates and, and is harsh and, and anticipates that I would go beyond the call without any empathy? Or would I want someone to uh, communicate and connect with me? And uh, if I mess up, show me and lead me in how I can become better. When you when your mindset is I am I am leading, serving, aspiring that everything that I am doing uh is for the for the purpose of making others better, the, the community better, the organization better. Uh then I think um becoming and or connecting our call to lead 
and our call to serve, uh, the catalyst becomes a much more beautiful experience for both the leader as well as the recipient. Mm, I think that is really, really good. Well, definitely thank you so much, um, you know, Tasman, I mean, just for coming on here. I mean, today was awesome. It was amazing. You know, I love, well, you know me. I love to talk about leadership. And so I'm sure those leaders or even aspiring leaders, emerging leaders, current leaders, supervisors, managers, wherever, however they may be leading in their respective place, uh, I'm sure that they were definitely blessed by all of what you would have said, you know, great nuggets, wisdom. And so I hope that everyone that you were taking notes um, as he was speaking. And so, but before we go, I just want you just to share with our listening audience how they can stay connected with you as well as if you have any upcoming events, seminars, you know, let us know what you have going on. Yes. So uh, the church's website is agapehousecanada.ca, and that's A-G-A-P-E, Apple, Great Apple, Pine, Edward, House, H-O-U-S-E, Canada.ca. And then, of course, my website is tasmansutherland.com. And so they can connect with us, with me uh, on either website as well as social media, Um, My handle for LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is the same, and that is I am Tasman J. I am extremely excited to share and announce that during the month of January, we are leading our church in uh, something we call Focus Forward, which is simply uh, regaining focus. Many persons are now seeing a spacious clearing navigating out of the pandemic and returning to uh, not life as it were, but some new level of normalcy. And so what does that look like in terms of refocusing and finding our passion again or uh, finding our purpose again as well as, you know, the goals, goal setting and mindset shifting uh, and all of these things. And we're doing this through Agape Health Canada, and it's called Focus Forward, and so persons can uh, connect with us on social media as well as the church's website and view uh, the services as well as we have uh, several vision board um, experiences. Everything is going to be um, uh, awesome, and we are going to uh, enter into 2023 um, out of the blocks, running full steam ahead. Yeah, well, it definitely sounds like you guys are ready to, to to come off the blocks. And so, everyone, be sure to make sure follow Tasman J. Um, I'm telling you, he has some really great things that he has going on, and, and I don't want you to to miss it. And so, thank you so much again, and you know, Tasman. I I always enjoy our conversations, and so thank you, thank you so much. And to my faithful listening audience, you know, it's always a pleasure. I love you all. I appreciate you rocking with me week after week. And if this is your first time listening in, I pray that this will not be your last, and that we will see you again um, next week as well. And so for those who may not know me or you came in late, I am Dr. Tavira Johnson. And so go ahead and follow me on all of my social media handles, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, um, 
LinkedIn under Tavara Johnson or Dr. Tavara Johnson. And then also I do have the Corporate Leaders Lab that is rolling out January 2023, so I'm excited about that. That is for new, emerging, aspiring, as well as current managers, supervisors. If you're a director and if you want to get in there, that's not a problem. We would definitely love to have you in there, and I love, and I would look forward to connecting with you. And so this will be a safe space where you can ask all of your questions, you get resources, uh, various types of training, lunch and learn. So I'm truly, truly excited about that. As you know, I love equipping uh, leaders as well. And so everyone, thank you so much, and I will see you all next week. Blessings. Thanks for having me, Doctor. Thank you for tuning in to Emergence Radio Talk. For more information on Emergence Radio Talk, Emergence Mentorship Program, or Women to Women Mentoring Program, be sure to visit www.tavarajohnson.com. If you would like to be a guest on our show, email us at info at or follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope. That's Tavara Johnson. Stay connected and updated on all upcoming videos. Until next time, thank you for joining.